I have a question for you. Yeah? How much did you spend on electricity last month? $83. Doesn't sound so bad. It's not so bad, and it was split between three of us. Well, how much did you use? It says on my bill we used 372 kilowatt hours. Well, that also doesn't sound like that much. What was your rate? It was 22.2 cents per kilowatt hour. That sounds pretty high. I don't, I don't know. to Behind the Switch. I'm Spencer Fields. And I'm Liv Eschenbach-Smith. We have been pondering this idea of why electric prices might be so high in New England, or if they really are that high. And we thought, you know what, maybe a podcast might be a pretty good way to start this discussion. Uh, Am I allowed to comment on the fact that I'm not an expert, and it's really helpful to <laughs> sit down and have a conversation and... and hear what the experts have to say and and yeah, have, totally. have some good one-on-one time because so many of these questions I think we don't take the opportunity to ask because the people to ask who, who have the answers are normally not available or they are your electric company, which requires a long hold on the other end of the phone. And perhaps not a ton of transparency. And a, probably not a lot of transparency. So... Yeah, to be here and, and be able to talk to people who are not affiliated with with the electric, uh, the electric companies or providers is is really helpful and, and a way to get good clean answers. So you might be wondering who we actually are and why we felt like we might be well positioned to produce a podcast. So let's take a second to introduce our two sponsors. The first one is Synapse Energy Economics, a small energy research and consulting firm based in Cambridge, Massachusetts which is where we're actually recording from. And the Environment, Economics, and Society Institute is a nonprofit uh, focused on providing tools and resources to a broad audience in order to help address climate change. In order to get a better understanding of exactly who we are and who our sponsors are and why our interests align, here's Jeannie Ramey, the executive director of EESI, talking a bit more about the impetus to found EESI and to start the podcast itself. I'm Jeannie Ramey. I'm the executive director of EESI.us, which we founded to bring good, reliable information on energy and climate to people who can use it. We're hoping to bridge the gap between scientists and citizens. Most of us take electricity for granted, and we have no idea what it takes to make the lights go on when we flip the switch. But it's so important, and it makes such an impact. So when Spencer approached me about collaborating on a podcast, it was a natural So with that, maybe we should just get straight into our topic. So why are electric prices in New England so high? Or are they? First, we have to understand what's actually on our electric bill. What are the various components of it and what things contribute to setting the rates on our bills and the overall bills that we ultimately pay every month? I think think to understand this, we're going to have to go back to that bill that we were talking about. Yes, definitely. And I think also it's important to remember that for a lot of people, you may have never left New England. So maybe your your electric bill feels pretty normal because it's all you've ever known. Yeah, absolutely. 
you might also <laughs> never have taken the opportunity to look at the various components of your electric bill. So for an explanation of what's actually on your electric bill, we'll turn to Doug Hurley, principal associate at Synapse, who focuses largely on issues of electricity generation in New England. So if you go and pull out your electric bill, you're going to see that it has generally two sections. I have a line on there that says transmission charge, and I have another line on there that says distribution charge. And there are a number of other things that are piled in in that same section that are much smaller. We generally think of that whole piece of your electric bill as what we just call, that's the poles and wires charge. So what what is the poles and wires charge? Is that what it means to... to to get the electricity to me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's not the electricity itself. It's just the transportation, if you will, of okay. that electricity. But most of what it is are these large capital-intensive projects to build and maintain transmission lines throughout the region. And as Doug explains, this is the part that goes directly to your utility. So here he is again talking about the poles and wires portion of your bill. That's how much National Grid charges me so that their employees can go out and build all the telephone poles that you see. We call them telephone poles, even though they're mostly power lines. And that includes the ones, so when we say distribution charge, that mostly means the ones that are that right there in your neighborhood. The small ones that are right there in your neighborhood, and they have those little gray cans mounted on the side of them, and the wires that actually go from the pole to your house, and they run around your neighborhood. And I think it's important to remember that that part is actually money that goes directly to National Grid to pay their employees to do the work that they do so that power can flow from power plants throughout the region to your house. That seems fair and makes sense. I mean, I, I want them to build new things when, when we need it. And if certain, you know, telephone poles or telephone wires, I mean, you see them down frequently enough that they need repairs, you right. know, they need to be fixed. And I don't mind contributing to that. <laughs> exactly. So then the question becomes, well, what's, what's on the other part of this bill. What's the other half? So we're going to go back to Doug for this one too. If you switch to the other side of the bill, the second major component is the power from those actual power plants. That's the key there. And sometimes this is called supply charge. You might see it listed as basic service charge or default service charge. Or maybe if you're a more sophisticated customer, you've actually gone out and found a separate competitive retail supplier. So maybe it has the name of a company there like Direct Energy or Constellation or MX Power. You may have seen the postcards in the mail that says, get off of default service and come sign with us instead. Some of which are good deals and some of which are not. Buyer Clearly buyer beware. They have marketing teams that are trying to convince you to sign up with their company instead of someone else. So that's the other portion of this is the actual power from the power plants. Well, in that case... I guess the question becomes, what are the components of the rate that's being charged? And why is that, you know, so high? Or, or is it higher than other places in the country? Right. So you need to find somewhere that you can compare these prices to. But you can't just compare our electric rates to any state in the country. Take Hawaii, for instance. Hawaii is a state with the highest electric rates in the country and has been for quite a long time. We're not going to compare New England to Hawaii for all of the obvious reasons. Nor should we compare New England to Alaska, or even for that matter, to Montana or New Mexico or Texas. But we can reasonably compare New England to, say, Pennsylvania. It's pretty close by, and yet Pennsylvania has consistently lower prices for electricity than New England does. So if we start there and say, well, why is that the case? You have to start peeling off different layers of the onion. 
And we'll start with that poles and wires charge. The poles and wires charge in New England is about twice what it, what it is in Pennsylvania. And there's a good question to say, well, why is that the case? And part of the reason is because in the last 10 years, New England has undergone a process where the power companies have had to build a whole bunch of those um, high-voltage power lines, the one with the path through the woods. They've had to build a lot of those over the last 10 years. And so we've gone through a period of time over a decade with consistent growth of building new transmission lines, the big high-voltage lines. So then if that covers the poles and wires portion of the charge, what about the supply portion? What about that side? Why might we have higher prices than other parts of the country? Again, there are several different reasons why our prices could be higher than they have been. And some of this is just timing of things um, as the years go by. The entire country has gone through a process where older power plants that are uh, run on coal have been retiring. Coal used to be really cheap. And for a while, natural gas was a little bit more expensive than coal was. Now, recently, that has flipped, and natural gas is much cheaper. So part of the reason is because they ran on slightly cheaper coal in more hours of the year than we did for several years. Now, as that has started to shift, and we're all moving over to natural gas because natural gas has become cheaper, the natural gas that they and we are both using is a little bit cheaper in Pennsylvania than it is in New England because we're just a little bit further away, and it takes some time to move that, it takes some cost to move that natural gas from Pennsylvania over into New England. So then at the end of the day, for that aspect of our bill at least, it has a lot to do with sort of the uniqueness of New England um, and where we are. And I think this is all very helpful in terms of beginning to, to tackle that main question. To get a sense, to, to better understand what we're paying and whether we're paying a lot, on electricity, we have to first understand what we're paying. Right. And I feel like I, I think I have a better idea of what I pay for now. I mean, it seems to make sense that it's a, I mean, it's a combination of things as most costs are that you have to pay for the upkeep and the maintenance and the continued growth of the electric sector and in physical infrastructure. And also technologically speaking, and how are we getting this? Is it coming from coal? Is it coming from natural gas? Or, or are we going wind? Are we going solar? And how do we, yeah, how, 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 how does our bill then reflect that? Thanks so much for listening to the first episode of Behind the Switch. We hope you've enjoyed it and found it informative. Be sure to tune in next time when we continue this mini-series on electric rates in New England. Now that we have a sense of what's on our electric bills, we're going to tackle the issue of how they actually compare to other parts of the country and why that might be. And stick around for the third episode, too, when we discuss some trends that may change this in the future and some options that you, as a consumer, have to manage your electric bills. Also, feel free to check out all of the great content on our two websites, eesi.us and synapse-energy.com. If you have any questions or comments, please be in touch. I'm Spencer Fields. And I'm Liv Eschenbach-Smith. Until next time, this is Behind the Switch. Behind the Switch.